Welcome to the Non-Anxious Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Shitama, author, teacher, speaker, and coach. I focus on your spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being to help you be the best leader possible. Each episode explores research and practical tips so you can be a non-anxious presence personally and professionally. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 100 of the Non-Anxious Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Shitama, and to celebrate this moment, the 100th episode, I want to let you know that in January, starting January 12th, we are going to do a 12-week study on my book, If You Met My Family, You'd Understand a Family Systems Primer. There is absolutely no cost to do this, and we will be doing this in the Non-Anxious Leader Network. If you're not a part of the network, it's free to join. Once you are in, you can find the course and then sign up. When you sign up for this book study, you will also get access to a free e-copy of this book. You can get it in a format for any e-reader you might have or just get it in straight PDF. But I don't want you to have to buy the book just to be a part of this study. The study is going to be facilitated by Brian Ivory and Alicia Turner, who were part of a study that took place this past fall. Brian bought my book and actually contacted me, asked me some questions about starting a study, and I gave him some guidance and then actually offered to join them in one of their sessions, which I did. In the process, Brian devised these wonderful graphics to illustrate concepts from each chapter, and those graphics will be available each week as you go through the study. I plan to be a part of at least sessions one and session 12. I will pop in and out as I am available as well, but there's also going to be a discussion board within the Non-Anxious Leader Network where participants in the book study can post questions, comments, and I can respond as appropriate. And just a brief apology to those of you who are in other parts of the world. The study is going to take place live via Zoom on Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I know that in some parts of the world, this is going to make it very difficult for you to participate. But we are hoping to record the sessions, and that way you can at least follow along with the discussion as well as be a part of the discussion board. If you want to sign up, go to network.thenonanxiousleader.com and look for the courses link in the left-hand column. Then you will find the Family Systems Book Study link in there and you can sign up. I'll also post a link in the show notes. Finally, if you are not a member of the Non-Anxious Leader Network, it is free to join that as well. So you will have to give your email address and request to be a member, and then you will get approved within a day or two. Then you can sign up for the course. So I'm looking forward to this resource to help people grow in their understanding of family systems theory. If you have any questions, you can connect with me at the nonanxiousleader.com or through the Non-Anxious Leader Network. And now, without further ado, here is part two of the two-part episode on nonviolent or compassionate communication and my family system's take on it. 
If you haven't listened to episode 99, part one of this two-part series, then I encourage you to go back and listen to that first. But in episode 99, I looked at nonviolent communication or compassionate communication and gave a family system's take on it. And in summary, nonviolent communication has four components. They are observation, that is what is actually happening without any interpretation, feelings, how how does it make me feel? What am I feeling? The need behind the feeling, what is the unmet need that is behind the feeling? And then a request, a request that we make to help meet that need. And we do that as opposed to a demand. We make a request, but the other person should feel free to not actually respond positively to that request. We know in family systems theory that when we give people the freedom to disagree, they're actually more likely to consider it, or at least they're not going to automatically push back. So observation, feeling, need, request. And there is a formula that Marshall Rosenberg, who developed compassionate communication, uses, and it goes like this. When blank, and that is the observation, when something happens, I feel blank, that is my feeling, because I am needing blank, that's my unmet need, therefore I would now like blank. And that is the request, not the demand. So an example of that might be When the meeting starts late, I feel frustrated because I need to know that my time is respected. Therefore, I would now like you to let me know if we are not going to start on time. Breaking that down, when the meeting starts late is the observation. There's no blame there. There's no interpretation about intent. I feel frustrated. That's what I'm feeling, frustration, because I need to know that my time is respected. So in in this case, it's really a, a, a need for respect. And then, therefore, I would now like you to let me know if we are not going to start on time. That's the request. Please just let me know if we're not going to start on time. So that is the basic formula for nonviolent or compassionate communication. As I mentioned last week, I believe that what this does, understanding compassionate communication does, is help us to understand self-differentiation. This is the essence of self-differentiation, of taking a non-anxious stand, of being a non-anxious presence. It's stating what we feel, stating what we, we our need is without judgment, without defining the other, and without accusing the other. I had a friend who is trained in compassionate communication ask me how it has impacted my life. And what I said was, right now, it's still mostly in theory. I'm still working on figuring out how to actually do this in practice. But I compare it to my own early understanding of family systems theory, which took place nearly 30 years ago in the early 90s. And at that time, I understood family systems theory In theory, I understood it in my head, but I wasn't often able to translate it into being a non-anxious presence. It has taken a long time of study and practice and trying and having it not work or not doing it well and over time getting better and better at it. So I believe that this type of communication I will learn to get better at as well. What is helpful to me is to understand that in self-differentiation, which is to be able to claim our own goals and values in the midst of surrounding togetherness, pressure, nonviolent communication helps us to understand what that unmet need is 
helps us to understand how to express that and make a healthy request. And so when you bring the two together, I just think it will help all of us to grow as non-anxious leaders if we are willing to do the work and realize that it takes time. The question I raised last week is, what do we do when we are communicating in a healthy way, but we are met with anxiety, even anger? In compassionate communication terms, this will typically come across as blaming or a moral judgment about the wrongness or badness of something we have done or said, or perhaps something somebody else has done or said. In family systems terms, what we understand is happening is the other is not taking responsibility for self. So we may have communicated a request using the rubric from compassionate communication, but we might get a response that is anything but. So how do we respond when somebody else blames us or someone else for their own condition? If you follow my work, you know that paradox and playfulness, as well as listening, are ways that we can respond without arguing and without giving in. But compassionate communication provides an opportunity to go deeper in the way that we listen. Before we do that, we need to regulate our own reactivity, taking a deep breath and reminding ourselves that something else is going on in the other that probably doesn't have anything to do with us is essential in self-regulation. In compassionate communication terms, the first thing that we might ask ourselves is, what is the unmet need? Marshall Rosenberg would say, in any type of unhealthy response, there is always an unmet need behind it. In family systems terms, we know that when somebody responds to us with their own anxiety, it is more about what is going on inside of them and perhaps in their own family of origin than about us. And this makes it easier to self-regulate. One helpful concept is the difference between triggers and causes. What we might say to others is the trigger but it is not the cause of their anxiety. It is not the cause of the response. The cause of the response comes from how the other person is interpreting what is going on, and this usually comes from an unmet need. So while we might have been a part of the trigger, the cause is within the other person. Another way to understand this is to flip this around and remind ourselves that nobody can make us feel anything. Whatever stimulus comes from outside of ourselves, how we feel about it, how we respond actually comes from within. And that's when taking responsibility for self and owning our own response is essential to self-differentiation and being a non-anxious leader. As we are self-regulating, the first thing we do is recognize that this is something going on in the other. Compassionate communication would ask, what is the unmet need that's being expressed? Family systems theory would go a different direction and say, what is going on in this person's own family of origin that is being expressed here in the form of anxiety? Either question may be helpful, but before we get into how we go about finding the answer, we need to do a quick review of empathy. Understanding that the other is not taking responsibility for self, that there is some unmet need, 
not only helps us to self-regulate in these situations, but it also enables us to have greater empathy for the other. The most important component of this is the ability to understand where the other is coming from. This is called perspective taking or cognitive empathy. And this is being able to understand the other person's point of view. A second component of empathy that is important is to show empathic concern. This is the ability to show that we care for the other. It is the essence of emotional connection. Being able to express empathic concern in a non-reactive way without arguing or giving in creates healthy emotional space that allows for progress to be made. Both compassionate communication and family systems theory would say connection is important. This empathic concern, this ability to show that we care without arguing or giving in is critical. When we combine this with listening as a form of perspective taking, listening as a way to understand the other's point of view, then we are likely to get somewhere positive. How do we do this? Well, it's simple, but not easy. We take the four components of compassionate communication and we listen for them. So we listen for observations, for feelings, for needs and requests. To do this, we use open-ended questions like who, what, when, where, and how. I always emphasize not to use why because people don't understand why they do what they do or feel what they feel. And listening is the key to staying connected as a non-anxious presence while getting to better understand what is going on with the other. Asking open-ended questions may help to reveal the first two components of compassionate communication. If you ask, when does this happen? Or what circumstances result in you feeling this way? It's possible that you will hear about situations where this occurs, where there are feelings and unmet needs that are expressed in unhealthy ways. Asking, how does it make you feel? Or how do you respond can help you to uncover the feelings that are being expressed. But open-ended questions will only take you so far. Most people are not in touch with their unmet needs. At this point, it will be helpful to reflect back what you might guess the unmet need is. For example, let's say that you've made a non-anxious request for somebody to repeat themselves and they get very anxious, they get frustrated, even angry. And as you start to ask them questions, you find out that this happens often to them in their own family of origin. One way to reflect back to them is to say, it sounds to me when I ask you to repeat yourself, you get frustrated because you don't feel heard. This type of situation is where family systems and compassionate communications intersect because in the compassionate communication realm, we are trying to get at the feelings and the unmet needs. But in family systems theory, we're also trying to find out what is the root of the anxiety? Where does it reside in the family of origin? In compassionate communication, I would want to try to restate a request on their behalf in a way that would meet that unmet need. I might say something like, in the future, 
Before I ask you to repeat yourself, would it help if I tell you that I'm trying to understand? This communicates that I am aware of their need to feel understood. If we can get to some agreement in that respect, if we can bring the anxiety level down in the interaction, then from a family systems perspective, I want to get at what is going on in the family of origin. I might ask, tell me more about when this happens in your family. The idea here is to shift the conversation to their own pain within their family of origin and to become an ally with them, to walk alongside them. This is not to say that we're going to try to solve their problem for them. What we are trying to do is stay emotionally connected and walk with them through the pain that they're experiencing in their own family of origin. I have found in leadership situations, when I am able to do this, I become an ally for the other, and they actually grow stronger in their support for the things that I'm trying to do. I don't do this as manipulation. I do this as a way to break the cycle of anxiety, to bring the anxiety level down, and to help be a non-anxious presence for those that I'm working with. The ultimate goal is to create healthy emotional space between you and the other, while at the same time helping them to learn to take responsibility for self. That is what non-anxious leaders do. I see compassionate communication as an effective way to understand unmet needs in ourselves and to learn how to understand the unmet needs of others. And in so doing, it also helps us as non-anxious leaders because if we understand family systems theory, we recognize that this is an important way to take responsibility for self and to help others do the same. That's it for episode 100. I hope you have found it helpful. I have really enjoyed getting into nonviolent or compassionate communication, and I am working on learning to use it more effectively, learning to get better at it. There is a podcast series of lectures from Marshall Rosenberg that I will link in the show notes, and that is how I have been learning about compassionate communication. And don't forget that the 12-week book study on If You Met My Family, You'd Understand begins in January, January 12th from 7 to 9 p.m. That's every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. And you can find out more. You can sign up. It's all free in the Non-Anxious Leader Network at network.thenonanxiousleader.com. So until next time, thanks and goodbye. Thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, there are two things you can do to help others find this podcast. First, tap the subscribe button on your podcast app. And second, leave a review. I appreciate your help. Finally, you can find more resources as well as subscribe to my blog at thenonanxiousleader.com. Now, go be yourself.